West End Abbey is a contemplative vineyard church in the West End of Winnipeg in Manitoba, Canada. This is a homily from one of our services. Okay. So um, let me give here just a few notes about Father Joseph Tetlow, and then I'll, I'll give him the floor to speak and to share with us the homily this morning. Um, I just want to say I am so, so honored to have uh, him with us this morning. He is just a remarkable man who has lived um, a very, very faithful life of, of service and of witness and um, has been such an inspiration, I think, in the Jesuit world and beyond. And so I am so grateful that he's with us. Just to give you a few things about him, uh, he is a Jesuit, and he'll, I'm sure, share a little bit about that. He's been a Jesuit for over seven decades, since his late teens. He's 90 years old now, and he has done so many things, it's hard to distill them into a sort of an introduction here. But some of the things that uh, he's most known for, he's served eight years in Rome as a general secretary for Ignatian spirituality. Uh, he's overseen, as part of that work, 250 Jesuit retreat houses, served as the dean of Loyola University, New Orleans, president of the Jesuit School of Theology at Berkeley, uh, associate editor of America, and the magazine. And he's, he's a writer as well. He's written a number of books that you can Google or, or buy on Amazon. <laughs> so thank you so much, Father, for being with us today. And we're honored to have you here with us. Um, so Natalie is going to read the gospel passage, and then we'll turn it over to you for the, the homily. I'll just put that up on the screen as well. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed.
We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have come among us and that you stay with us. We find that the Lord Jesus is always surrounded by a crowd. What was it that made Jesus so attractive to people that they wanted to be with him? One obvious thing, of course, is that he could heal their sicknesses, but not everyone who crowded around him was sick and needed healing. What made him so attractive like that? The story that we heard today gives us a bit of a hint. He wanted to be with his friends by themselves. They had done some work. They were tired. He wanted to debrief, wanted to be with them. He noticed how caring he was about his friends, how concerned he felt for them, a kind of tenderness and closeness that a lot of people don't often realize was Jesus's deepest characteristic. So he took them apart, but people watched, they watched. They, they were going down the shore and as they went down the shore to another place on the shore, people saw them and knew who they were. So they yelled and they all met him down there. And when he got, when he got there, there was a crowd. There was a crowd. And look at his, look at his response to the crowd. He didn't say, oh, I wanted us to be by ourselves. I wanted us to have some peace. He didn't say that at all. He didn't. He saw the crowd and this is what filled his consciousness. They look like lost sheep. This is the man who calls himself a good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And he looks at this crowd and and he's filled with compassion. Now notice, compassion means that Jesus could feel along with them what they were feeling. And what they were feeling was, we know what they were feeling. The world's a mess. There's chaos all around us. I think I know where I am, but that was yesterday. And today is today. And I don't know about tomorrow. Jesus felt that himself. The letter to Hebrews tells us, we do not have a high priest who cannot feel with us everything we go through because he suffered as we do in everything except he never sinned. So Jesus is looking at this group of people and like a shepherd, he sees scattered sheep. One time, I guess it's 25 years ago now, <clears throat> Some of my Jesuit brothers and I were backpacking, going cross country using topo maps in the Wind River Range in Idaho, which is the most beautiful part of the world. We got to a place high up, maybe six, seven thousand feet of deep grass, a meadow between the mountains. And we put our tents down. There was a well there, which is why we went there clear, pure water. And all of a sudden, this huge flock of sheep came past. One shepherd in the front, one shepherd in the back, and the dogs running around keeping them together. So we waved and they waved and they went on. 
We prayed together and celebrated the Eucharist, which we do every day in the evening. And all of a sudden, one of them came back and asked to, he was a Basque, and he asked to us, asked of us, have you seen a little sheep? We said, no, because we lost one, he said. Well, we were amazed that he could know that they lost one with that huge bunch of sheep, but he knew they had lost one. So he went off the way they had come. And after a little while, he came back with the sheep. So he came over to us and we asked him, how did you find that a sheep, you know, when it's lost has only two means of defense. It sits very still as hidden as it can, and it makes no noise. Those are its only defenses. How did you find the sheep, we asked him. And his response was, cantava. I was singing. I was singing. As soon as the sheep hears its shepherd's voice, it begins making noise. It answers. Jesus said later on, I know my sheep and they know me. My sheep know my voice. And there we were with this shepherd, with a little sheep who knew his shepherd's voice. Well, that's the way Jesus works with his people. That whole crowd had to learn to hear Jesus's voice. And the gospel tells us that he told them many things. What did Jesus tell them? What did Jesus say? What is the good news? How do you break it out? What made them want to listen to him? Surely, you know, nobody was ever converted to God by a finger being waved under his nose. No, that's not how it happens. So what did Jesus tell them? That was so good. What he told them is that God is creating you and he loves you as you are. You are his people. And if you will accept him, if you will say yes, he will be your God. And the way to enjoy this is not negative. The saying among the people at that time was, do not do to others what you do not want them to do to you. Jesus never said that. He turned it around. He said, this is how to live happy. Do to others what you hope that they will do to you. That makes you an example of a good life, of a holy life. Furthermore, he said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, and it, I said, no, no, I tell you, that doesn't get you anywhere. When you take revenge, what happens? Well, it may not, the person you're taking revenge on may not even know that you're taking revenge, but your heart knows that you're taking revenge, and you are then a vengeful person. You are making the tree bad. The same thing, you've heard it said, hate your enemies. Hate your enemies. Do bad to those who hurt you. No, no, no. No, I tell you, that's not a good way to live. It's not what the Lord God wants. What he wants is pray for your enemies. And if someone has hurt you, find a way to do good for them. What happens when you do that? 
what happened? They might not even know, or they might not care. We'll pray that they do. But nonetheless, you yourself know that you have forgiven and your heart is full of forgiveness. So what does that mean? If you fall, your heart is full of forgiveness and you know to turn to the father and say, father, I fell. The greatest sin you can commit, the greatest sin you can commit is not to fall, but to refuse to get up when you fall. That's the greatest. And that means you despair of God. And he is always willing to forgive you. Always. His mercy is infinite. That's what Jesus told them. And he didn't tell them, be somebody other than who you are. He didn't say that. He didn't say, if, if, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to go be in a monastery or you're going to have to go join. No, no, he didn't say that. He never said, there's another thing he never said, my sisters and brothers, which is important for us to remember because we're sinful people. Jesus never said, if anyone follows me and keeps my word, they will not commit any more sins. He never said that. He never said that. Why wouldn't God say, all right, you people, that's enough sinning. Knock it off. No more sinning. You can't sin anymore. Why wouldn't God say that? Well, because if God said that, I would have to love God. And being forced to love means that there's no love at all. So God chose to create human beings who are to live forever freely deciding how to live forever. And he sent his son to show us how to live forever. That's what Jesus is doing. And he summarized all of this this way, he said, make the tree good and the fruit will be good. So he was saying, what is a good tree? A good tree, in a human person is a tree with a heart that's full of forgiveness, a heart that's full of mercy, a heart that is actually burning with love. First of all, for God our Lord, because God is our maker and he loves us like we are, although he loves us too well to leave us like we are. We all have to get better. We all have to get rid of our... But that's a small matter compared with this. He loves us the way we are. He is making me, not made me, but is making me the way he wants me. So you make the tree good and the fruit will be good. And the fruit is mercy <clears throat> and forgiveness and tenderness and love. Above all, love. That's the fruit. So Jesus then instructed them in many things. And finally, his disciples, you know, they made us said, uh, sir, we were supposed to have some time off. So they got him in the boat and they tried to get away from that crowd. Well, Jesus didn't say anything, but surely he knew, look, brothers and sisters, when we get to the next place we're going, there's going to be, a, and there was a big crowd, wherever he went, 
there was a crowd. Why? Because he was so beautiful. He was so tender. He was so loving. He was very just and upright. Oh, don't try to. Peter tried to get him to, you know, not do what he knew the father wanted him to do. And Jesus turned on him. And I'm telling you, his anger burned Peter's eyebrows. Get behind me, you devil. He was really angry. Understand that. All of this holiness, all of this fear doesn't mean that, that I don't have to sometimes get really, I sometimes am very angry. I was told a story yesterday about the way a teacher was dealt with in one of our schools, and I was furious with anger. I was furious with anger. I had to bite my tongue. Hmm? Unfortunately, the person whom I ought to show this anger to was too far away and don't even know that I exist. So I had to say to the Lord, you're going to have to take care of that, but do take care of it, please, because this is unfair and unjust. So we pray, we pray. This is what Jesus said. Make the tree good and the fruit will be good. So when he got there and they had run around and gotten all the people and gathered once again, what did he do? He looked on that crowd just the way a good shepherd looks on any crowd. Scattered sheep, lost. They don't know where to go. They don't know. And I am the good shepherd, and my sheep know my voice, and I know my sheep. So, my sisters and brothers, when we say we thank you, Lord, for being with us, we are saying to the Lord, we thank you that we are your sheep, and we hope we will always recognize your voice as you kantaba as you are singing to us in our hearts and in our minds. God bless you now, and thank you for letting me meet with you. And I'm going to be a little late, and I'm going to tell the persons that I'm really happy to be a little late because I was with the gathering of the saints a very joyful gathering, and it was a great delight for me to be with you. So may God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.